Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to episode 180 of the Life Aggressive Show. This is Sincere Hogan. Mike Marlon is on the line after a nice little summer break. You know, took a little time out to, first of all, take one of those weeks off to celebrate my birthday. And oh, also just kind of give you guys time to catch up on some episodes that you probably have not heard. And here's the suggestion for that, folks. Um, go to either Mike's website or my website. Go to MikeMarlon.com or NewWarriorTraining.com. You can catch the archives over there because I know those first... 100 plus episodes don't show up in iTunes or Stitcher. All right. So that's where you can go and catch all the episodes from ever since episode one from three years ago. So <clears throat> that's how you can do that. But other than that, man, first of all, hey, Mike, what's up, man? It's been a second. I'm doing good, man. Actually, on that note, I've had a few people email me say they just got into the show recently yeah. and they're catching up listening to three, four episodes a day. Yeah. Just getting clocked. We're getting really into it. So that's something for people to be aware of that on iTunes and I believe on Stitcher, yeah. it's only archived to a certain yeah. point. And then I think the first, at this point, maybe the first hundred episodes you can get on either one of our websites. Yeah. And right now everything's free. Yeah. We're, we're going to be moving to a paid platform at some point, but that doesn't mean that previous episodes will be something you have to charge for. If something's been free, it'll always be right. free. And then starting around September, we're going to start charging a nominal fee, three bucks a month. Nothing. If you're not if you're not willing to pay that, then we don't need you listening to the show. Just go and go enjoy the free archived episodes, and then we'll start charging for those moving forward. And I think one thing we can do is maybe have four episodes that are part of the premium plan, and then one episode per month that's free, just so we keep the ball rolling, and then also entice people to become members, exactly. become Especially part of that paid platform. You know, coming on board or whatever. But if you've been listening for the last three years, you don't fall into that category. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we want to make it cheap, which is I mean, three dollars. If we're doing four episodes, it's less than a dollar per episode. Yeah. Anyway, we're gonna work all that out and have a launch date estimating around September. Yeah. So that's that we're giving you a fall a fall preview coming up for the new fall season. Okay, like a lot of these TV shows do. But right now, you can treat us like Netflix and chill, where you can just sit there and binge on us on a weekend, listen to all these episodes, and play catch up. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You know, Netflix. You know, so, the people actually charge you. You know, a monthly subscription <laughs> yeah. to, to binge on their stuff. Yeah. Well, here's the kind of the way I look at it, right? If we don't move to a paid platform, then we have to start looking at a sponsorship model, yeah, which I don't right. like, and I know you don't like mm -hmm. it. And it's not that we can't find <clears throat> companies that we're both fans of. It's just – I don't want to spend the entire episode it, giving them shouts out and, and plugging their stuff. It, exactly. It, it's tiresome. And, it and I don't like listening show. to the shows. I don't like listening to the shows where – People are constantly talking about their sponsors all the time. It, it does mess up the flow of the show. Also, I, I equate it to Hulu, right? Hulu has an option where yeah. – Hulu is an online streaming option to watch TV shows. Now, they have an option where it's 8 bucks a month and you have to watch commercials. Or you can pay $3 more and there's no commercials whatsoever. So, I mean, yeah. to me, that's a no-brainer. Exactly. I paid that. I'll pay, I'll pay twice as much. Forget 3 bucks. If they said it were 20 bucks per month, but no commercials, I would have been happy to pay that because my time is valuable and I hate watching commercials. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the same thing like what I do with my Spotify subscription. You know, it's funny because my daughter has the free Spotify. And so whenever, you know, she's hanging out with me and we're listening, you know, through her um, her iPhone or whatever, all of a sudden these commercials come on. It's like, oh, for, you know, for 15 more minutes or 30 minutes of uninterrupted music, just watch this video, <laughs> and which sucks. You know, when you're riding around in your car, I'm like, really? And usually she watches that video and when she gets that extra time is right when we're stopping the car and about to go in to another place. So she ends up losing that time. I'm like, you know, you really should just go ahead and subscribe and pay that nine. It's like 10 bucks a month, nine ninety nine a month. 
and I have unlimited, you know, playlists. I don't have to worry about any commercials, right. none of that stuff, man. I was like, it is worth. I mean, like, it is worth. That's what I have with Apple Music. It's nine dollars a yeah. month. It's unlimited streaming, no commercials. Exactly. It's great. Exactly. I use that all the time. It's well worth it. So my, well I don't need to be paying. indoctrinated by these commercials. I don't need them trying to use mind control and trying to tell me that this is a good product. And if you hear it enough, you start questioning yourself. You start thinking like, you know, man. well, I don't even like shows where they try to make it organic. Oh yeah, right? like Chael Sonnen show. Chael was like, you got to take advantage of opportunities. You know what's a great opportunity? Uber. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, oh man, how forced. But what that? sucks about Chael is the fact he already sounds like a salesman anyway. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. He sounds like the greasy used car salesman as it is. So just when he says that, like, yeah, a great opportunity is Uber. Like, no, it's not. Now I don't want to use Uber ever again. I'm just going to use Yellow Cab (laughs) just because you said that, chill. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, so the play, so I'm all about, I've always been about harnessing people power. Yeah. So what we do instead is charge people a very nominal impulse buy fee, right? $3 is nothing. It's not something you have to think about whether you can afford it or not. And then no commercials whatsoever, including our own pitches. So we're not going to be pitching our own products and services at the beginning of each episode for five minutes. And we, we can end each episode with it just to just remind you yeah, exactly. that we have these things, right? Depth, but, you know. but, but you don't even have to listen to that. That's at the end of the yep. episode. You can stop listening if you don't want to hear it or you've heard it a million times. It won't be at the beginning of the episode. Where you have to sit there and go, okay, okay, Mike's going to talk about his supplements now. Sincere's going to talk about his stuff. Yeah. Five minutes, six minutes, whatever it is, and then finally get to the episode. Now we'll just come out of the gates and get right rolling to, with yeah, the topic. You're right to the meat of the thing, man. So yeah, so yeah, that's that's the direction we're getting ready to head for. You know, head toward now, people. So just giving you a heads up, get ready for that. And you know, we've already had, we already started getting positive feedback on this already. Just mentioning from the last episode, you know, people are like, right. you know, I've, hell yeah, I'll be willing to pay that, man. Somebody is well worth it. You guys bring quality guests, give a lot of free, inf- you know, great information, and you know, why not? So it's good to see that, you know, that the, the people are already speaking and they're already down for that. I mean, the only people that aren't going to like it are people that don't support us. Well, anyway. Guess what? You know, guess they, what? They're they not going to tell us they don't like it right now because <laughs> right, yeah, right, they're, they're right, right. already trying to be quiet as it is. They don't want to be known. <laughs> okay, so. Right. I haven't got any emails from those people because you know we're going to mention you on the show if you do. <laughs> That's just going to happen. <laughs> I'll be, you know, so and so from Oklahoma said he doesn't like the show and he doesn't want to pay three bucks. Oh man. <laughs> All right. So we got a great, great bunch of content to get into. We'll go ahead and get started with that. And one, I've been getting a bunch of questions about the 531 program, Jim Wendler's program. And this is something that is cyclical. It's like sometimes I'll get it, I'll get a bunch of questions and then a couple of years goes by and I don't get any questions and it comes back. And it's funny because I just started using this program again a few weeks ago. So I'll, I'll get people asking me if I think it's effective or not. And I think it's very effective if you actually follow what Jim recommends. And that's where most people fail to follow the details. And the details are extremely important with anything. So what he recommends with the program is that you take your one rep max and then you take 90% of your one rep max and you use that to put together your workout percentages. So for the first workout, workout one, you're going to go one set of five with 65%, 75%, 85%. Now these percentages are of that 90% of your one rep max, not your actual one rep max. So if you have a one rep max on the deadlift of 500 pounds, you're going to use 450 and then take percentages of that, 65% of 450, 75%, 450, 85% of 450. Now, some are going to go, oh, man, that just sounds too easy. Well, that's the point because you want to build success. This is a repetition program. It's not necessarily a program geared towards improving powerlifting numbers. It's building repetition PRs. 
So you want to come out. You should blow those numbers out of the gate. So on the top set of week one, 85%, five reps plus, meaning you could try to go beyond five reps. Now, if you don't even hit five reps, clearly yeah. you didn't put together the percentages correctly. And I, I remember I would have people saying, oh, I week three, I started missing numbers. And I go, well, you put your percentages way too high. The average guy always overestimates what he can do. Right. And the average woman tends to underestimate what she can do. A lot of women are stronger, way stronger than they think there are. It reminds me of Men's Fitness, Men's Journal. They used to have this column where they would find random people on the street, ask them what their bench press is. And then they would take them to the gym immediately after that <laughs> and see how close it was to what they said. Right. And not one person ever could match what they said they could do. A guy would be like, oh, I can bench press around 200. And then they would go to the gym and he would miss 145. It was never close. Right. <laughs> you know? So Jim takes the Jim keeps that. That's why Jim worked this equation into the program. He realizes that most people are not going to accurately use their one rep max. So he goes, take 90 percent of whatever you think your one rep max is. So even if you overestimate your one rep max, taking 90 percent of it is probably going to at least get close to what you can actually right. do. So that's week one. Now, week two, you're going to go 70% of this, 80%, 90%, all repetitions of three. And then on the last set, you try to go three plus. So you go beyond, do as many as you can. And then the third week, you work up to a, a one rep number, but you try to go beyond that. Now, the key with the program is you don't have to go balls out every single workout. So let's say the first workout, you go crazy. You go to the absolute last rep you can do. You do maybe 10 repetitions with the final set. The next week, you're a little bit fatigued. So maybe you just hit the three that you're supposed to do, and then you choose not to go beyond that. Just leave a little bit in the bank. The following week, you hit the one. Maybe you do a few more than you can do, but you don't go to absolute failure. And then another key here is the fourth week is a back-off week where you use 40%, 50%, and then 60%, three successive sets, again, of that 90% number. The back-off week is critical, and most people skip Yeah, that's the week year. Yeah, what's happening jumps is out like, uh... week three, you're feeling so strong. You're like, screw it. Let's start <laughs> right. another cycle. That's like, yeah, you are feeling strong. You're going to feel even stronger if you take that back-off week and get some extra restoration and then come back in for another cycle. So if you actually follow the program the way Jim recommends, it'll actually work out really well. And then you want to pick compound exercises, squats, deadlifts, overhead press, bench press, or some other – you could do incline presses. The most important exercises are squats and deadlifts here. And let's say you do squats on Monday. You can do deadlifts on Thursday. You want to have a couple of days in between. Yeah. Now, the pros of this program are it doesn't take a lot of time. It's very similar to high-intensity training, such as what Mike Menser would recommend, basically one set all out. The rest of the sets are just ramp-up sets to that. And then you have essentially a week in between workouts. So if you do deadlifts on Monday, you're not doing it again until the following Monday. So those are the pros with it. The cons are someone who's new to deadlifting and squats, you're not getting a lot of practice. And practicing the optimal technique is really important for improving performance. So you may find that after you do the top set, 
you back it off maybe 50% and then just do a few more sets, not to make the workout harder, just to work on practicing the skill set. Because I found especially with squats, the more I practice it, I mean, still to this day, the more I practice it, the better I get at it. And just recently, I started doing a little bit lower bar placement, yeah. not super low, like what you see online. So basically halfway in yeah. between high bar and low bar. And I'm finding that is the sweet well, yeah, spot that's for I, me for squats that's what I found where it feels really now. strong. You know, it's just like yeah. I was going super low and I was like, okay, yeah, my numbers were going up really quickly. But at the same time, I also felt just pretty much how my shoulders were feeling after the fact, you know, and just and also just trying to really find the right distance to where my hand placement would be, especially with just my anatomy and the length of my arms, you know, so it just really felt a little coming off. It felt a little unbalanced, you know, just a little unbalanced or whatever. So then, you know, I tried, you know, going back to high bar again, just kind of seeing how that felt, you know, with those same numbers that I was getting from low from the low bar. And then it's like, okay, <clears throat> let me just try midway here and see how that goes. And let me, let me spread my feet out just a little bit more, separate my feet just a little bit more, maybe about an inch or an inch and a half, just like that. Right. And just going from there and then just really working on the mechanics of really just, you know, starting off by really pushing those hips back first and then slowly kind of <laughs> almost <laughs> stripper style where you kind of just come, come up a little bit with the ass first, just a little bit, not coming up too high, or whatever, where that felt a lot safer that time around. But yeah, man, it just, it really, it really helped. It really made, okay, here's the sweet spot right here. And also just kind of going with my eye placement as well. You know, when you're going like really low with the low bar, I mean, you're not, your head pretty much, you're looking at the floor, you know, <laughs> you're going to look at the floor, which again, there's always that instinct. That I always think like, this does not feel safe. It feels like a standing dead exactly. more than a squat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like something in your mind is like instinctive is like, this is something's just not right about this to be looking down like right, this. But right. at the same time, right. you know, like you're not going to sit, you don't feel comfortable looking straight ahead either, you know? So you got to really try to find a way to keep that neck neutral, but at the same time, you know, not too neutral, you know? So there's going to be some awkwardness right there with that low bar. And you got to understand it's going to be awkward. For a lot of people. And, well, what's interesting is the middle placement, what I find, especially on the descent, is that I'm able to stay more upright. Yeah. Because the bar is in yeah, my I don't feel like I'm falling hands. forward, you know. Right, exactly. When the bar is really high, especially coming out of the bottom, you tend to shift forward a little yeah. bit. And then you start to even out. While here, going from point A to point B is more of that straight line. And it just, it, it, you just automatically feel stronger. The weight feels good on your back. So when you find the optimal placement for you, and this is going to take a little bit of experimentation, you may you may try a low bar and say, ah, this doesn't feel comfortable. But you have to give it a few exactly. tries too. It may not it may not feel comfortable the first time you do it, but after a few workouts, you get into this groove and you realize, okay, this is a perfect fit. I for did me. it for a little bit over a month and a half, you know, before I started trying to you know tweak stuff. I had to really just I wanted to really understand like what's going on with my body mechanics, you know. Now here's one thing I did like about that. You know, the low bar and, you know, that whole feeling like you're kind of falling forward. It made me really have to focus on bracing my core and really right, engaging right. it and doing that. Now, that I like because sometimes with a high bar, you know, sometimes you can kind of be a little bit, you know, dismissive, you know, with that. You know, not think about it as much. You really start thinking more about, oh, let me go ahead and I'm, I need to really push my hips back. I need to, you know, am I really feeling this in my quads? And you start thinking about everything else. You know, all the things that you normally would associate with a squat, whereas, you know, going with that low bar made you really incorporate things and think about things you normally wouldn't think about that they were pretty much working in the background. But now you kind of brought it to the forefront. He's like, so it really became a core workout for me. Like by the time I finished, I really felt it in my core, you know, a couple, especially a couple of days later. It felt like I had done probably like a good 
good workout day, a good day of just doing sit-ups, which I thought was great because I don't want to, I don't want to do sit-ups. Okay. First of all. So it was good knowing that I was really recruiting, you know, that core like that. And I really appreciate that. So now going with that mid bar, you know, stand, you know, um, way of positioning or doing with the bar now, I'm, now I'm really thinking about the core as well, even though it's not feeling as activated in, you know, and demanding my attention like it did with the low bar. But now, after doing six weeks worth and six weeks plus of that with a low bar, I'm very cognizant about thinking about my core embracing and all that and really being tuned into that now. So it's kind of giving yeah. me that. So I can appreciate that. So that, that's something you might want to just try just to even make you start thinking about those other things that are being utilized when you're doing a squat just to kind of retrain your brain. And especially if you've been squatting for years and years, hell, decades for some people, and you've been doing it a certain way that, now this stuff is kind of like become, it's like autopilot. You don't even think twice about it. You're just like, ah, uh, I get under the bar, I step out, you know, I push my hips back, and you know, I tear the floor apart with my feet, and then I come back up. You know, it's become such a routine now that you don't think about it. So now it's kind of a good way yeah. to make you get back mentally in the game a little bit more closer to or at 100%. So, yeah, mid to low back you will find allows you to lift a lot more weight because you're able to engage the back with the yeah. legs. So especially if you're a strong deadlifter, you'll find that it has a nice carryover in being able to use your back to help support your legs. When the bar is a lot higher, there's more emphasis on the legs, which is why bodybuilders tend to use that version because they want to build up yeah, the quads a lot more. Yeah. If you want to lift the most amount of weight possible, then you're going to use the best mechanics possible, and it's going to the secondary benefits won't be as pronounced for improving physique composition or just in or just or hypertrophy, right. but it's, it's just different goals for it's just different uses for different goals. If you're trying to lift the most amount of weight possible, the powerlifting style obviously makes sense. If you're more focused on modifying your physique in one way or another, then gearing towards the bodybuilding style makes more sense. So it just depends on what your goal is. If you're are. a big fan of trap bar deadlifts, just a nice little carryover right there. When you start going mid to low bar, you know, you start really feeling those same things that you normally feel. Now you're saying that um, with the five, three, one, you know, one of the benefits of that is that it doesn't take a lot of time. That's also one of the cons because here's the right, reason right. why, you know, the fact that it doesn't take a lot of time. Most people feel like, you know, if I haven't sitting there gone for an hour or so in my workout, I wasted my time. I'm not doing anything. So the fact that right. they can, this is a very efficient program that they're not going to spend all day doing. They start thinking, well, Hey man, I, well, I drove that, all the way over here. It took me, top. you know, 45 minutes to an hour to drive through traffic, get to the gym. And here I am, I'm done 30 minutes later. You know, I, you know, well, I need to do something. So then they start, you know, dipping and dapping in all the BS. They start making up stuff or just like, well, let me go ahead and let me do some box jumps, you know, and oh, you know what? I got time. I was, you know, since it's leg day, since, you know, cause they're already thinking this leg day cause they just did squats. Let me go ahead and do some deadlifts today then. I just won't do it that heavy. And it becomes very detrimental to the program. When you start. Well, you're only going to have that program if you don't hit those top sets hard. If you hit the top sets as hard as you can, you're not going to feel like doing anything right. else. <laughs> so if you feel like doing a bunch of other bullshit, it's because you didn't hit that top set as hard as you or should your have. Ego is Especially just on squats and deadlifts. Even if you did hit it hard, there are some people still like, you know what? No pain, no gain. Okay. <laughs> it's my well, lot of pain, no gain. That. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lots of pain, no gain is the way that really should be said. Right. Well, I mean, also to contrast it with a high volume program such as German volume training, you could take a similar paradigm there that Jim recommends, meaning with German volume training, you take your one rep max and then you take 60% of that and then you do 10 sets of 10. 
So if you have a 300-pound squat, you would use 180 pounds for 10 sets of 10. I actually think you should start lower than that. So I think it would behoove you to take 90% of that 300, so 270, and then use 60% of that. So it's only 165 because 10 sets of 10 is brutal. You have no idea how brutal it is until you do it, and it's a great program for building as much size as possible. So that's the the reason why you choose it. If you're trying to get as strong as possible – you don't have to put in that level of volume and repetitions, but if you want to add as much size as possible in the minimum amount of time, it's extremely effective. Yeah, but, you know, but it's not going to be you know, effective not, if you, you burn know, out. Use that with Stickman, help him build some size. You know, Stick right, was very, right, you know, he was right. a little guy all this time, and you know, Scott utilized you know German volume training to help you know Stick put on some size or whatever. So, but before that. You know, prior to that, you know, Scott was pretty much, you know, running stick through a strength program, you know, helping him build the strength first, getting that foundation there first, you know, before you start right. thinking about size and all that stuff. You'll definitely get stronger with German oh, volume yeah. training. That's just not the emphasis of right. it. So if strength is your primary goal, 10 sets of three or even three sets of three yeah. would make more sense. Just lower repetitions, heavier weights. But I do like German volume training for someone who wants to improve their technique because you're doing so many sets and repetitions that you have to improve your technique to be able to last long enough. Exactly. You're not doing 10 sets of 10 of bad technique. It's not happening. Okay. Exactly. So it's a great way. It's a good program to even throw in the mix for a couple weeks for that. And I'm not going to lie. I do at least once a year. I'll throw it in there, man. You know, just throw it in there just to mix things up. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I just wanted like, okay, really focus a little bit more on aesthetics, you know, and. And for some folks, you know, yeah, for some is you, you put on size. For some, it's great for fat burning. You know, for, you know, if you got a little bulky right. Right. from no a question. strength program. So that's when I throw it in there, man, Which, especially around the wintertime, you know, when you're not outside as much. And, you know, you just kind of stay inside and then you're like, all right, I'm done. I'm taking my ass home where it's warm. And you kind of just lie around or whatever else. That's the time I really throw it in there. Summertime, I don't need it because especially in Texas. And then there, there are some exercises that it makes more sense for than others. For example, with the squat, it makes yeah. sense. For dead, deadlifts, dead lifts, not so much. Get it, forget it, forget it. Man. Ten sets of ten on deadlifts. That that just, that just sounds horrible. Yeah, me. that's called. I don't that's like. Called a, I don't like. That's called a chiropractor's appointment. That's what I call that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't like repetition work on deadlifts at all. I feel that the room for error is so high that. It, it's easy to get injured there. Just one rep out of the pocket, you screw up your back, and now you can't work out for two weeks. I mean, and, and also you you got to really start talking about overtraining, you know. And your recovery is going to suck ass, man, when you're doing it like that. Your right. body is right. just—it's going to be fried. It's going to be fried, and you it's going to affect all those other exercises that you're going to do with German volume training in the week. So when you start trying to do upper body and all that, you're just not going to feel it, man. Mentally, your brain is going to be like, screw that. You know. And I've, I've, I've never seen anyone recommend deadlifts with GVT either. It's usually focused around the yeah. squat and maybe overhead just, presses too. Even even with overhead presses, I would go maybe 10 sets of five, not 10 sets yeah, of 10. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. You got to think about those shoulders, you know, really just having to do that much amount of work. You know, there's a big difference between that and those bigger muscles in your body from like when you're recruiting, when you're doing squats. So, and then again, you start opening up the door for just bad technique and, and just trying to like overcompensate doing 10 sets of 10 with overhead presses, you start trying to, when your shoulders start to burn out, you start doing silly stuff, you know, really silly stuff. Right, right. Especially with barbell yeah. overhead presses. Kettlebells are much more yeah, forgiving. Yeah. So if you wanted to do 10 sets of 10 with double kettlebell presses, that's way more forgiving. I've done that a few times just for the hell of it. And it's very self-directed. Because one yeah. thing about it, you start kind of, you know, spreading your, you know, the, the bells apart. 
you start feeling that tweak in your shoulder and you bring those shoulders, you, you're going to bring those kettlebells back together. You're going to get back into right. the pocket with that. Whereas with a bar, right. you know, with a barbell, you can start kind of, I don't know, you start leaning a little bit and you start wobbling and you're kind of messing your stance up. You know, all these different things start to come into play. You know, where it's, I would say something like incline dumbbell presses yeah. make more sense yeah. for 10 sets of 10. If you, if you're just have this super goal of maximizing upper body hypertrophy, I would say for most guys though, focus on the squat. Yeah. Because most guys tend to overemphasize the upper body. I mean, the gym I go to, I never see anyone do lower body stuff. Certainly not with any effort. Good example. That I, I forgot <laughs> no. to send you the pictures. Like, uh, have you seen Dave Chappelle lately, man? Like he was no. backstage. I forgot he was talking to, but, um, you can clearly see that Dave Chappelle has been in the gym working out. He is not little skinny Dave Chappelle anymore. But the problem is, he is looking like a lot of these other guys that you see that work out in the parks and all this other stuff from those yeah, videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his arms, I mean, this dude's arms are getting big. His chest is big, but his legs, I mean, he's starting to he's starting to get that martini glass body, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it just look like you can just kind of tip him over just by a little, you know, do some cow tipping on him or something like that. So he definitely needs to spend more. He needs more leg days in his life, big time. But the upper body is there. You can tell he's definitely putting a lot of time with that. So, yeah, you're not going to you're not going to meet too many guys where the advice you give them is, hey, man, you need to dial back on the squats. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's generally not a problem. Most guys have because the squat is brutal. Guys want to focus on muscles that people yeah. are going to see. And these this is why I always say that performance should be paramount in any training right. program. Right. Because it's going to make you focus on the things that you should be focusing yeah, on. Exactly. Which brings us to the next topic. I've been reading that book that our guest a couple weeks ago, Joshua, recommended, which is How Champions Think by Dr. Bob Rotella. And I'm just on the first few chapters, but so far I really like it. And one thing I really liked of what the, what he had to say is about committing to a process. A lot of people focus on the goal they're trying to acquire, but then they don't emphasize the process that they are going to have to utilize to achieve that goal. And what you want to do is commit to that process. So if you have a goal of gaining as strong as possible, let's say you want to deadlift 600 pounds, you're around 550 like I am, and your goal is to hit six plates. Okay, now you have to commit to a process of not just an effective training program, but optimal recovery, good nutrition optimal sleep so you're going to factor all those things together get those massages every week do the float chamber to decompress get a chiropractic adjustment here and there so you don't lock up so much get the seven to eight hours of deep sleep in per night don't miss those high quality meals every day because those are all parts of the process to help you achieve that goal right yeah so many people are committed to just like that end result like you know i gotta get i gotta get to this that's the number i gotta hit and look, man, your body doesn't work that way. Your body doesn't just depend on the heart to beat. OK, there are other things that come into play to keep your butt moving around and breathing. You know, so just think like your your body thinks. OK, it's not committed to just one system. <laughs> so you got multiple systems in the body that make it function. So you got to think about that the same way. Just like is there there's really there are no absolutes. The only absolutes is that there are no absolutes. That's what people need to think about right there, man. So it's not no, it's not an either or situation or if then situation only. You know, it's a bunch of ifs and a bunch of thens that you got to consider. Right. You know, so and we kind of get locked into that mindset of thinking like, oh man, all it takes is that. Well, you're being duped all the time with marketing. It takes this one thing, this one weird trick. If I see one more person that says an email with that, um, I'll, uh, I'm 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 <laughs> showing them this one weird trick that my fist can do to their throat. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's so annoying when I see that man. It's just like this that one weird thing that'll get you this result, or that one weird trick. Or come on, there's there's nothing weird about it, and there's it's not. Well, the, the thing is, it's usually a trick. That's the thing people forget about. 
<laughs> so. Well, I always laugh when I mean I, I came across one program for the deadlift and it said, and here's some calculations on where you may be at the end of the program. If you increase your deadlift by ten percent, you'll have, you'll be over here. I go, okay, so if you have a five fifty deadlift, you're going to add fifty five pounds <laughs> in ten weeks. Highly unlikely, right. unless you're just a gifted deadlifter and that's early in your phase and you've, you've hit five fifty five after just a year of training right. and you're just on a roll. But for those of us, it took a long time to get to that number. So you're not going to just get to the next step. In a couple of weeks, just like yeah, that. Thanks for the if prediction. You, 20, pounds friends, a year. you got those you got those Powerball yeah. numbers for me too? <laughs> like, come on. The body the body just I mean, especially if you're a natural lifter, the body just doesn't adapt that quickly. And you don't necessarily want it to because you're gonna lose it quickly if it did. So it's better to have those slow, gradual adaptions. If you add twenty pounds to your deadlift in a year, you should be really happy with right. that. And if you look at that after five years, that's a hundred pounds. Right. And some, some people are like, well, five years, that's a long time. It's, it's really not a long time. If, if I told you, look, five years of concerted effort, you're going to achieve your, your physique composition goals, your strength goals, you should be excited by that. Five years is yeah, nothing. All some people have to do is look at their finances. To my, in five years, look how much you went into debt. And you can't believe, I can't believe those. It, <laughs> yes. What? I just got those credit cards. And in five years, this happened like this? <laughs> yeah, man, it did. It didn't take long. It was concentrated effort. It was the process that you committed to. <laughs> I mean, just think about how overweight you exactly. get in five it's years. A- right? Like year one, you gain five or six pounds. You're like, ah, no big deal. Five or six pounds. I can lose that anytime. You double that. Problem is, you just gained another five or six pounds. Now you're at 12. You're like, ah, you know, still not that I big of a deal. That. I can, I could. I can wheel that in at some point, reel that in at some point. You know, now you're at 20 pounds, and you're at 30 pounds, and you're at 50 pounds. You're like, oh, shit. Like, How did I let myself go? Well, again, yeah. you committed to the process. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing about being overweight. You have to commit to a process. You have to be dedicated. <laughs> you put in serious work, son. You've been rewarded for all your hard, your hard work. You had, you had to hit those two liter bottles of Coke daily. Hey, man. <laughs> you don't go through the drive through once a day. You got to go through three times a day. Man, come on. <laughs> so, yeah. But that's, that's the thing is we let these little things slip. The, the, the details are always extremely important. Right. Right, like when I when uh, to me a good workout starts way before the workout. It starts with the meal I'm going to have two hours yeah. before I train. Starts with what I do pre-workout an hour before I take my testosterone booster. I take red. I take a cup of green tea. It starts with the warm-up routine I'm going to do. The mobility exercises. Getting my head straight on the drive there, over that's there. That's what I was about to throw in. It's my, just the drive over there itself. You know, right? I can't be sitting there thinking about well, like, oh man, my website crashed and blah 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 blah. All that stuff's going to affect my workout. You know, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about other stuff. I'm somewhere else. You know, other than Even where if I'm you going. look at the way people do warm-up sets, right? They're not committed at all. They're looking at their phone. They're just dicking around. Their technique is they're not very good on the warm-up in the gym sets. before they even get started working out. <laughs> you should treat. You should. You should approach those. Like when I approach 135 for my first set of deadlifts, I approach that the same way I approach five plates. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just approach it. With okay, make sure you set up properly. Make sure you dip and drive. Make sure you drive with your feet through the floor. All of those things with a very light weight, and I can lift that weight with any technique I want. Really crappy technique is not going to matter. But the point is, I want to reinforce right. that good technique right from the get-go. Right. Get yourself dialed in. So then, when you get to the next set, next set, two plates, easy. Third, three plates, easy. Four plates, easy. It's it's all very confidence building. So when you get to those five plates and beyond. You have no doubt in your mind at all that it's going to go. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much like the theory they use in kettlebell sport, like when they're doing those time sets and doing 10-minute sets. Pretty much they say that, you know, that that first the first lift, that first rep and that last rep you do in that 10-minute set should look the same. That's, that right. should be your goal no matter what. You know, it doesn't matter you're minute eight, minute, minute nine, minute ten. 
do your best to make sure that rep one looks like rep, you know, rep 201 looks like rep one and have that mindset. So going in there when you're doing that warm up, same thing, you know, that first rep at 135, like you mentioned, you know, I don't want it looking any different than when I make it to 435. You know, right, so I don't right. want to sit there thinking like, oh, this is light and easy. I'm good. You know, like, no, in my mind, I'm thinking like, OK, nothing really changed here. You know, yeah, some more weight, but nothing else really changed here. A number changed. When you have that mindset, it really will help you get, you know, get through it, man. Instead of just instead of I mean, dreading the, the whole first rep, like, yeah, this is 135. But damn, man, I'm trying to hit 450 today. Fuck. <laughs> you know, and you're already thinking about why are you already thinking about hitting 450 right now? You know, focus on 135 and, and getting your mechanics down. That's going to help you make right. it that far. You know, you may not even make it because you've already given up. You're already thinking about, man, this is going to be a hard day. Well, yeah, to my, that's what you're thinking, and that's what's going to happen. It's going to be like that, man. Right, right. And that is, that is the whole point of those ramp-up weights is to dial in, get the mechanics right, get your head straight, because now you can focus on all those cues. So by the time you get to the heavy weight, it's automatic, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to – the first set is crappy technique, and then the third set is crappy technique, and then you're just hoping automatically you're going to get in the groove when you get to the heavier weights. That's, that's not going to happen. If the light weights feel off, what do you think is going to happen when you get to the heavy weights? It's just going to magically come together? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you, you should hope it doesn't come together because if you, if you manage to pull through it, you're probably going to pull something <laughs> that you didn't want to pull. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But the other thing this Dr. Rotella says I like is he goes, look, if you don't commit – to a process, you're never going to know your full potential. Right. And that's that's a really compelling statement because very few people commit to a process. They have goals. They come, especially at the beginning of the year. Like right now, most people have given up on their goals for 2016, right? We're, We're in June right, right now. now. Yeah, I mean, people are I'm, They're I'm gearing up for generous. next year. Most people <laughs> – Next January. Well, most, I'm being generous because most people gave up several they months. They gave up February ago, first. You know? <laughs> they didn't get to this point. You know? <laughs> they, so they had a goal, but they didn't have a process that they were going to commit to. It's like my goal is this. So this is the process I'm going to commit to. Every day I'm going to do this so I can achieve this goal. Yeah, to my winging, it can only help you fly so far. <laughs> okay, think about it. And so, my, so my attitude is, if you whatever goals you set out for this year, if you're not in a or making clear strides towards it by now, then it's not going to happen. Right, you, <laughs> you, know? you need to reassess. This year is going to be over in no yeah. time, and you're going to be like, man, what happened? Another year just got away from me. Right. So yeah, it's definitely a time to reassess and. Most people end up thinking like, well, it's June now. I didn't hit anything, so uh, screw it. I'll just I'll try again next January first. Like, <laughs> really? You, you're gonna why, why do people always have to wait until the beginning of the year anyway? That's why the can't rule, you man. Decide now? That's the rule. That's how it's supposed to be. Because <laughs> <laughs> then I won't be alone. You know, because a lot of people will be doing the same thing I'm doing, and a lot of people don't want to feel like they're alone. So that's the thing about it. Like it's this big concerted that's tribal right. group effort. The entire freaking well, Western world anyway. Well, well, that's why people love complaining. Like people, uh, like a, a a guy who complain, a group that complains together hangs out together. Well, misery right? loves company. Okay. So I remember I was at the dog park the other day, and I was with my dogs on one side of the field, away from other yeah. people because it was dark, and I wanted to be where the lights are so they can sniff around and have a good time. So anyway, about twenty feet away, I can I, I can't hear exactly what people are saying, but I can tell they're all complaining <laughs> just by <laughs> their body, body language. Body. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so one person complains about something, and then the next person complains, and then the other person jumps in, and then the third person yeah, jumps in, and they're all just complaining together, complaining, complaining. And you can just tell how much pleasure they're getting out of this. It's just one big and complaining they probably don't realize how irritating it is because they're in it. But from my vantage point, 
I go, man, it's just irritating to even hear it. <laughs> or even just see the body language itself. It's like, really? <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, that complaining is great if it actually leads to some action exactly. step. But for a lot of people, it doesn't lead to an action step because the payoff is the complaining. Yeah, that's why you always need that <laughs> and, one person in that circle of complaining like, all right, so what are you going to do about it? <laughs> you always need that quote unquote smart ass because that's how you looked upon by the, the people complaining like, oh, here, here, here's this guy. What are you going to do about it? I don't know. What are you going to do about it? I'm not complaining, so I don't need to do anything about it. <laughs> so, come on. Well, you complain, I'm complaining. I said, no, actually, I'll just ask you a question. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> well, I always say, I always post it on Twitter. It's one of my repetitive posts. I go, try going an entire day without complaining. Right. About anything. Well, for some people, that's like, like going an entire day without very typical <laughs> or, or just breathing yeah, yeah. because it, because it's, it's it's just as natural to them as breathing or going to the restroom. <laughs> so they're like, what are you asking me, man? It's like me trying to like not eat for a day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, you should try that. Yeah, too. Here's, 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 try here's try that in addition to do it. Do a fast where you don't eat it all for the day and then you don't complain <laughs> at all that day. Complain about <laughs> that you're fasting. You made a choice. Shut up. <laughs> That's another thing I hate with people when they fast is like, God, well, you know, I wish I could, but I'm fasting and you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's Ramadan. Like, like, no one asks. choices. You, you do realize there's not a gun in your head to do these things, right? Shut up. <laughs> Uh, no, some people just can't wait to talk about their problems either. They just can't wait because they know someone's going to give them attention. I'm not going. I'm not that person, but someone else is. Yeah, somebody. And it just, it just, people just have this desperate need to feel important. And don't think that necessarily that most people who are listening to you complain about something actually care about what you're complaining about. Sometimes they just want to reassure themselves inside mentally that, well, at least I thought my life sucked, but I don't suck as much as this guy's life does. So, you know, hey, you know, better him than me is what they're really- or, or they're just a people pleaser. They're just trying to please you because that's what they do. Right. You know, obsequious is their middle name. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like they don't like hearing you complain, but they want to make you happy. So they're going to sit there and listen like, to you. Uh, you know what? It'll be OK. But what's funny, though, is when people people make these observations that are completely inaccurate. I remember I was at the Four Seasons just recently waiting for a Thomas Inkleton. I had lunch yeah. with him. And I was in there waiting for him, and this lady walks in, and I knew she was about to say something to me because I could just tell. And she goes, hey, smile. It's Friday. You're at the Four oh, Seasons. Oh, my God. And I was like, what makes you think that I'm in a bad mood? Just because I'm not smiling like a buffoon? <laughs> you know? First of all, you come in smiling and shaking, bobbing your head like a bobblehead doll. I'm a little worried. I'm like, this dude could be a And psycho. I looked at her, and I'm like, I'm like, lady, my Fridays are just like Mondays. They're, you know, they're both great. And she's like, oh, oh. It's like, yeah, oh, it's right. Now move along. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, that whole smile I, I thing, man. You know, that's, God, it's like, you know, I, I get why that's a lot so of women, annoying. like, you know, to a lot of guys, you just want to tell them, like, you know, just go, go fuck yourself when you say that. Well when, well, when a guy does that, it's a line. Yeah. I mean, or it's, it it's a, a power trip. You know, it's also a power trip. Yeah, you know, yeah, just, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, so I get why women get offended by, like, oh, sweetheart, smile. Like, oh, hey, dude, <laughs> fuck yourself. Okay. There's this one comedian, I forget her name, but she has this funny bit about, how she's at the club with their friends and this guy's coming over and the guy's like, hey, why are you looking so mean? She's like, I thought I would keep your ass away. <laughs> it's like, guess it didn't work. You know, maybe next time I'll just fart. <laughs> it's like, uh, like a lot of girls, like the number one reason why guys join gyms is to meet women. And the number one reason why women quit is because guys trying to talk to them. <laughs> What's funny to me is like when a girl has headphones on and she's totally immersed in her workout and some guy's trying to talk to her. And then she obviously gets annoyed, as anyone yeah. would be, because she's trying to focus on her training. He's like, hey, hey, hey. She's like, what? 
It's like, oh, I just wanted to say what's well, up. Why are you being it's so like, mean, sweetheart? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's got headphones on and she's focused on her workout. You really think she wants to talk to you? Right. No. Like she's doing something that you should be doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> take the take the hint, bro. <laughs> oh. But uh, you know, back to Dr. Rotella, the other thing I liked in his book is he says, if no one thinks your goals are crazy, you're probably not aiming exactly. high enough. Yeah. And that's the other thing is people try to be way too reasonable with their goals. And guess what? Reasonable is not remotely exciting. <laughs> now, I understand you don't – if you've never made $100,000 before, trying to make a million dollars this year is probably not a reasonable it's goal. Reasonable. Or it's, it's not remotely realistic, but – Let's say instead of saying let's say you've made a hundred thousand, instead of saying, okay, this year I'm gonna make one thirty, how about you know two hundred thousand? Maybe you're not gonna hit it, but you're gonna push harder and you're gonna make more than you than you thought you could. Hell, even if you just increase it by ten percent. You know, that right, that right, goes right. a long way because in ten years, hey, look at that. Hundred <laughs> percent. But I mean it's, it's, it's and you okay never lost, you didn't lose anything in those ten years. Look at that. So no, but I, I think aiming higher than you think you can achieve is not a bad thing. So if I say, look, I want to hit sixth place this year, and let's say my deadlift is 555 and 585 is the goal. Let's say I only hit 570. Is that a failure? No, because it's more than what I'm doing right hey, now. Exactly. But maybe, maybe back, I wouldn't have hit that 570, like, though. You know, five, you know, 505 or something like that. So. Right, right, right. You didn't go down. But also, maybe I wouldn't have hit that 570 if I wasn't going for 585. Exactly. So in other words, what if I said – 570 is my goal. Maybe I wouldn't have hit 570 because I'm not going to push it as hard as 585. You go, okay, look, I want to add 30 pounds to my deadlift in a year. You have a sense of urgency now because you know what commitment to the process you have to make in order to achieve that. Now, maybe you're going to miss it, but you're still going to be further ahead than you are right now, and that's a success. So that's the other thing as well as goals should be things that excite you. That's the other thing. A lot of times it's, it's your inability to commit to a process. It's because you don't find the goal remotely exciting. You could care less. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the thing to do. And, you know, you you have that as, you know, as my kids say, that fear of missing out. You know, well, I want to do that, too, because I don't want to be the only one not doing that. OK, but do you care about that? Well, I just don't want to be alone. Again, we get back to this whole cycle. <laughs> you don't want to be the only one. There are a lot of things I look at like, oh, that's stupid. I'm not into that. Well, why not? You know, even certain music or TV shows, people are like, oh, man, you, you need to watch so-and-so. I don't, mm, I'm not interested. What? Like, Everybody's oh, no. watching that. That's the reason why I'm not interested. <laughs> and you, yeah. There are a lot of shows that when they were out and they were popular, I refused to watch. But now I've gone back and started watching them now that no one cares about them. <laughs> you know, and now I found them interesting because, hey, I said, I can appreciate this show now. But it's just the certain people that watched it made me really not want to watch. Like, oh, someone goes into this show. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, I. It's not an interesting before I found out that exactly. dude likes it. It's like, well, so, shit. Like, I don't you know, watch Game of Thrones? Nah, I'm good. What? <laughs> so, just, even with Walking Dead, I'm just now watching Walking Dead. Just yeah, because yeah. all the people who were into it in the beginning, because they were really into zombies, and that made me really not want to watch it. You know, because <laughs> our, my definition of zombies and your definition of zombies are not the same. Yours are fantasies. My my definition of zombies are people who can't take their eyes off off their phones. You know, people yeah, who exactly. are hopped up on every prescription drug and think that Benadryl is something natural that you carry in your purse and you take every day, all day. And that's that, that's that, that's 
that's okay. Yeah, so those are zombies to me. Or people who, again, get caught up in reality TV and start thinking it's really reality. Those are real zombies to me. You know, not people that have been bitten by something and they've got some freaking disease and they're eating brains. <laughs> so I'm thinking of the people who pretty much stopped using their brain for the most part. <laughs> that's my thing, man. So I wasn't interested in the beginning. Whereas now, here's the thing. I can appreciate a lot more because I'm looking. <laughs> Actually, I look at more fallacies in the show than anything. I look at how their, their, their gun handling techniques are or, you know, what type or, you know, guns they're using in the show and, you know, or, you know, tactical things that they're doing there and what could have been better and all these other things. I'm looking at it from a different perspective than, oh, man, they're killing zombies. And I'm like, mm, that's stupid. I'd just rather read a comic book for that. That's what comics are for. I don't want to see the show. So. Yeah, there's a show I got into recently called Banshee on Cinemax, which is actually really good. And I heard about it a while back. It's it's actually done now. It was a four-season show which just completed this uh, year. I heard about it a while back and just never got around to right. it. And then one of my customers actually is in the oh, show. Oh, okay. He's in the show, Ulrich Thompson. Uh, he may listen to the show too, but he's been using my products for a while. So I had an email exchange with him, and then I just noticed in his handle, he had a t- Twitter account that led to his IMB page where I, I noticed that he's in this show. I'm like, okay, cool. Let me check this out. And I, just, I didn't get around that until just now. Right. And the show is great. He's great in it, and it's a really good show. If you're a fan of shows like Spartacus, you'll like this show. It's a totally different genre, right. but it has the same level of violence <laughs> and sex that Spartacus has, right. you know? <laughs> as well as some good script writing. Right. A couple of missteps here and there, but overall the script writing is really good too. So it's a good, it's a good show, man. I mean, you, you know a show is good when you watch the first season, and then two weeks later you're on season four. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ten, <laughs> you know, like ten episodes per season. You're like, whoa! I'm almost done with this whole right. thing. Yeah, and that's the other cool thing about getting into a show after it's done is you can binge exactly, through it. Exactly, man. You don't have to sit there and wait till the next week because that was that <laughs> yeah. was the the bane of our existence when Spartacus was out. Like, damn! Every Friday yeah. night we were like, oh man, really? <laughs> I gotta wait another week for this. So let's just think about it, man. That's how I am right now with Preacher. I mean, that's a comic book that I read a, a while back. And, you know, actually, I was very excited to see that it was coming on. But at the same time, I was a little weary, yeah, as with anyone that's read the certain comics or whatever, especially when you start talking about graphic novels. Because when it comes to a, a basic cable channel, you know, like AMC, you start wondering, like, but they do a pretty good job with a lot of their shows. But you have to kind of wonder, like, OK, I know the context of Preacher and how this comic book is. It makes me wonder, like, this is something that probably should have been on HBO or, or Stars, You know, so I started right. kind of wondering, like, okay, what can you guys really get away with as far as how the plot is with this comic? So far, so good. And plus, the fact that it's, you know, executive produced and direct, some of the episodes directed by Seth Rogen also made me question it. But at the same time, it kind of reminds me of Kevin Smith. These guys are such big comic book guys that they almost feel like they can't mess it up. They have to do justice to it because they're such big fans of it. So I gave it a chance, and, like, so far, so good. You know, my thing is, you know, now, going forward, like so far, I think they're on episode five, I think, at the time that we're recording this show. And I, of course, I always got to wonder, like, OK, they make it to a second season or a third season. What's going to happen from there? You know, I'm always kind of looking ahead, like, you know, can they remain consistent with the show at that point? You know, especially with just the context of the whole plot and what the story is based around. But uh, really interesting, really, you know, so far, so good, man, with that show. So. You know, when you talk about shows that are based off comic books, I was like, you know, a lot of times you think Kitty when you start thinking about all these other things, all these Marvels, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all this other stuff that's PG on on Disney right, owned right. companies, you know, which is not doing the comics justice because we know most comics are dark. You know, even when you start talking about Batman and Superman, a lot of that stuff is really dark and they try to make it all easy for everyone to watch and take the family to see. No, man, just like Deadpool. That's the way it was supposed to be done. 
Deadpool is not a PG character. Okay. He's very graphic, very graphic. And you know, now they're kind of taking a page from that because they realize, Oh, that made a lot of money. Let's do it now with the next Wolverine. Uh, you should have been doing it with Wolverine. It's a, well, it always reminded when I was growing up, we would always go see rated R yeah. movies, right? I mean, I'm 12, 13 going to see aliens yeah. and aliens was a rated R movie. And everyone that I knew my age saw yeah. it and lo- loved it to the point where they actually made action figures yeah, exactly. and all this other stuff. <laughs> so, so Hollywood always tries to do these pussy ass moves where they want to cater to the broadest audience well, possible. But the problem is they, you make a, you make a shitty ass movie that even young people don't want to watch. Right. And the whole thing just bottoms out. While a movie like Aliens, which was not targeted towards a young audience, it was made for adults. Right. It's a classic. To this day, that movie came out in 1986. You could watch it now. It's timeless. Right. It's a great movie. And it catered to an adult audience. And guess what? All the kids liked it, too, because a lot of young kids want to be adults. They want to feel like adults. Right. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> so they want to watch adult like adults when, you're not look, when adults are not looking. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah, of them yeah. are so foul-mouthed. They, they curse far more than that rated R movie that you took them that you were not supposed to take them to see. You know, they curse like sailors behind your back. <laughs> you know? And now you have more proof of all you do is look at your kids' social media page and look at some of the stuff they say to their friends when they think that you're not watching because they think that you're not hip enough to be on that, be on Snapchat or something like that. Like, oh, I don't have to worry about my mom coming here. And then you look like, whoa. I always laugh when people go, I don't want my kid watching that because it's violent. I go, no, it's not. You know why? Because it's It's fake. make-believe. It's not, it's not actually happening. No one's actually Nobody getting died. killed in the movie. No one's actually getting killed at all. Exactly. You want to show real violence, take your kid to a factory farm. That's real. <laughs> right. That's actually happening. Exactly. Or if no, that, you want to see real that, violence, take your kids to the south side of Chicago. There you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's right. real violence right there. <laughs> right, but it, it amazes me that people are so worried about fake violence, make-believe violence on TV, <clears throat> movies, music, even like death metal like Cannibal Corpse. I remember that when that band – during it was during – Dole's campaign, he was like, oh, bands like Body Counting, Cannibal Corpse, or have these offensive lyrics. I go, it's all make-believe. Come on, come on. First fantasy. of all, you said offensive lyrics. Why are you offended? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Why are you listening exactly. to it? Exactly. You, know? you don't have to listen like, to like, it. Like, okay, uh, so, uh, yeah, Bob Dole, I'm sure you're sitting around listening to Cannibal oh, listen Corpse. Listen to Tupac and all that. Why are you talking about Tupac, <laughs> yeah. Bob Dole? Really? Like, <laughs> like you're throwing up the, the West Side W with your your good arm. Shut up, dude. <laughs> But I mean, it's it's all make believe. They're not talking about things they're actually doing or want to well, do. It's it's fantasy. Let's talk about let's talk about all the problems with things that are make believe. So we have to deal with the reality of things. Okay, right. that's the thing. Nobody wants to deal with that. Just like you know, we're we're not talking about it in this episode. Just like you know, this recent tragedy that happened in Orlando. Let's talk about the gun. Let's talk about that. No, let's talk about the evil person. Okay, let's about, let's not talk about inanimate objects. Let's talk about people and what and other things that could have been done. But nobody wants to talk about that. We want to make up things. It makes us feel better, you know, to get caught up in things that just okay. No, that's not the real issue here, you know. So yeah, again, it's the fantasy that everybody gets into. Let's talk about these violent movies and violent video games. Look, man, Grand Theft Auto didn't go out and kill anybody today, at all. Okay. You know what it did? It sat there inside the Xbox in your living room. Okay. That's all it did. It's plastic. It's a game with a computer chip in it. No big deal. So don't blame video games. Well, kids are like this because of video games. Nah, man. Somebody accept your part in the responsibility here. Okay. And that's the thing about it. Yeah. What, what, what part did you play in your kid doing certain things? Where were you? You know, where were the values that you taught them? And sometimes you can try to teach them all the values you want. Some kids just go off the rails. You right, know, some right. have just a their chem, their their mental chemistry is just not not there to comprehend what you're trying to teach them. So what are you going to do about it? How are you going to help them besides blaming something that had nothing to do with that? 
It has nothing to do with their organic chemistry. Okay. So it's real easy to point your finger at other stuff, man, instead of accepting like, okay, what part am I playing in this? Well, I mean, the more you're willing to accept responsibility stuff, the better. I remember in the the first Batman movie with Christian Bale, where one of the characters came to him and he goes, hey, it's he goes, it's your father's fault that he and your mother died when they got attacked because he should have known how to defend himself. Now, that's a very brutal way to look at it, but there's a semblance of truth in that as well. So whether you like it or not. The reality is, is that the more you're willing to take responsibility for your survival, your success, the better, right. rather than hoping someone else comes to your rescue. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just putting putting your life in the hands of strangers sometimes. You know, it's like, OK, they don't know you. And why are they? Why, why is it their job? You know, first of all, they the first job they have is to make sure they are safe. And their and their people that they care about are safe first. You know, yeah. Then we start getting to the topic of like first responders yeah they have a job at the same time but at the same time is to also not add any more people into the line of danger that are not already involved in the danger you know that's why a lot of times when you have like these situations where let's say an active shooter or something like that emts are not going in first to start you know helping people who've been shot or stabbed or whatever else you know they can't go in until the actual active shooter has been taken down you know because what good is an emt going in first and they get shot <laughs> that doesn't make any sense so right. the thing is, what can you do? You always ask yourself, what can you do? Even if you don't get in a situation like that, always ask yourself, what can I do to take care of myself and the, the immediate people around me and not sit there and hope for the best? Hope and change, people. You see, that's not going to get you very far. We've realized that. Well, I mean, imagine <laughs> if you decided to go out for a drive and you're going to say, I don't need to pay attention while I drive because other people will. <laughs> So I don't have to worry about crashing into someone because they'll just get out of my yeah, way. Yeah, they'll move. They'll be paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, just think if they thought the same way that you thought, and then the next person, right. and then everyone's thinking that way. Then we have a big hot mess now. <laughs> so it doesn't work. So you got to really take responsibility for yourself, man. Absolutely. Now, a couple other things, something that you can take home, some other good information. Some people ask me about mag- magnesium testing, getting a blood test to see if your levels are optimal, how effective that is. It's really completely ineffective, and Dr. Glenn Rothfield made a good point of saying that serum magnesium, which is just the magnesium traveling around your bloodstream. So it's basically you're just getting a measurement of magnesium around the bloodstream, but magnesium is mainly residing inside of your cells. So if the cell levels take a dip, more magnesium goes into your bloodstream to make more available to muscles. So it's not necessarily a good thing if you have a lot of magnesium floating around your bloodstream. But a better better measurement, it would be red blood cell magnesium. So that's a blood test that you can get at Quest Diagnostics or you can have your doctor order that up for you. Generally, if you're taking a good magnesium supplement such as magnesium citrate or you're taking my recovery oil, generally your magnesium levels are going to be pretty good. Don't just rely on getting optimal magnesium from food. Right. Sure, eat hemp seeds, eat pumpkin seeds. That's all great. But Thomas Inkledon and I were talking about it where he's had so many people come in who think they're doing everything perfect with their diet, and they always had 
mineral deficiencies, zinc, magnesium, et cetera. And these are critical minerals for your health. Vitamin D is another one. It's like, oh, I get in the sun often. Well, you probably have sunblock on or you don't have enough skin exposed where you're not getting that. And also, what hassle is it to take a vitamin D supplement just to make sure your levels are optimal? It's not that big of a deal. The other thing Inclinon talked about is probiotics. A lot of people will eat stuff such as sauerkraut and think, oh, I'm getting all I need. I don't want to take a probiotic supplement. And they always measure extremely low. So taking something such as Nature's Way probiotic, 50 billion, 100 billion, sounds like a lot. But keep in mind that if you have gut issues, you need a right. lot. <laughs> yeah. Don't even worry about that fifty billion, dude. Okay. You... Like I had someone the other day tell me like I don't I don't have serious gut issues. You know I just fart a lot. <laughs> it's like well that's a sign you have some they serious think that gut relieving issues. Relieving themselves that way is actually relief yeah. on their gut. Like no. <laughs> In addition to cleaning up your diet, you need some <laughs> gut restoration as well, and you want a good probiotic that has prebiotics, which is what the probiotics feed on, so it proliferates in your GI tract and ensures that you're getting optimal digestion from food and so forth. So I like to take a strong probiotic before I go to sleep at night because it just restores everything. And the next morning when you have to go relieve yourself, (laughs) you know it worked. (laughs) When you lose about 10 pounds in the morning the next day. Coming out feeling about 10 pounds lighter. I told you years ago. (laughs) Like, man, I feel light on my feet I'm good now, baby. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of prebiotics, there's an interesting – Food, which has a very funny name. <laughs> There's a new food out that I've Okay, hold on. New. This is where the 12 year old sincere steps into the show now. Starts giggling like yeah. a little schoolboy. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's actually a tuber, and tuber is basically the, the nutrients that a plant uses. And there's one tuber, a, a root vegetable called tiger nuts. And no, we're not talking about tiger's nuts like an it's animal. It's not like tiger, tiger blood, like Charlie Sheen was talking about. <laughs> I don't know, like you said, I don't know why they're called tiger nuts. Like someone saw a tiger's nuts and hey. goes, hey, these look just like that. <laughs> so basically, it's a root vegetable that is rich in prebiotic fiber. And you can tell when you try to chew on this that it has a lot of fiber because it, it's not easy to digest. You have to chew on this thing for about 30 Sorry, minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm chew just, on this thing. <laughs> these are not the easiest nuts to chew on, okay? <laughs> yeah. I mean, these nuts, man, you really have to chew on these them. These are some chewy know? nuts, man. <laughs> yeah, so they, the first thing they need to I'm do gonna is I'm going to have to mute my mic game. while you talk about this segment, man. So you get information <laughs> out there because, like I said, 12-year-old me is just can't, can't get through this segment. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of prebiotics in this food, <laughs> which allows the probiotics to proliferate. So the, anyway, there was a rat study which showed that they had a tw- 225% increase in testosterone in 30 days. Now, rat studies are always tenuous. You don't want to take those as literal facts on what's going to happen with you in a human study. But there can be some carryover, like with bull by natalensis, what's in aggressive strength. The rat study showed a 347% increase in testosterone. Several people that have that have taken my product have increased their T levels that much. I have gotten results of that, but the average person is not going to get a 300% increase. The average person probably doesn't need a 300% increase. Your levels are not so low that you need to triple it to get into an optimal range. You get a 50% increase, you're going to be good. And bulbine natalensis definitely averages about 30% to 100% based on my user feedback. And keep in mind, there's other things in aggressive strength as well, like ashwagandha, macuna purines, and stinging nettle root. These all have multifaceted benefits. So anyway, 225% increase in 30 days. Let's say you only got 10% of that. It's still a nice increase. And to break down how much you should take, 
you basically multiply your body weight in pounds times 0.15. So if you weigh 176 pounds, it's going to be about 22 grams of the powder. Or if you weigh 205 pounds, it'll be about 30 grams. And you can buy it in powder at Vitacost.com. You can actually buy the actual <laughs> nut. <laughs> which so again, when I go to Vitacost yeah. and I go into the search, do I type, type in Tiger Nut? <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> But go ahead and do a search for Tiger Nuts. <laughs> you want to go research it on Google? There you go. You, now you may get actual, you may get literal Tiger so Nuts on there. You might get more than you bargained for. <laughs> Just make sure you buy the right one. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, the powder is what I recommend at Vitacost because you can put that in a protein shake and just blend it up nicely. Anyway, it's one thing to look into a little bit further. Even if you don't get an increase in testosterone, just the fact that it's loaded with zinc and other minerals and has a good amount of the prebiotic fiber. Those are all beneficial things as well. The mechanism for the testosterone increase is not clearly understood. It could be the zinc. Frankly, I think one thing they completely overlooked is that if you get a strong improvement in gut health, that's going to have a strong correlation to improving hormonal health. If you don't have good gut health, you're not going to absorb nutrition efficiently, and you're not going to have nutrition to fuel hormone optimization. So that just all makes sense right there. You're never going to meet someone who's got a lot of gut issues, IBS, who has optimal testosterone and growth hormone levels, leptin, insulin sensitivity, all those things. Clearly, they don't. Another thing to consider is, and Thomas England brought this up when I spoke to him a few weeks ago. He goes, whenever someone comes to him with one problem – they never just have that one problem. They have a lot of other stuff going well, yeah, on. It goes back to what so we talked about earlier they have, in the show. You know, it's these absolutes. It's like, oh, it's just one thing. No, it's not. That's not how the body works. Well, like if you have high blood pressure, you have probably insulin resistance. You probably have metabolic syndrome. You probably have, a, you have high levels of inflammation. It's never everything is fine except that one right. thing. Or if you have insulin resistance, you probably have a lot of other things going on. You're probably overweight. You probably have high blood sugar levels. You probably have leptin resistance. You probably have a host of other issues as well. Like, yeah. So you want to do comprehensive analysis. Yeah, the person is always surprised when you go to the doctor, like, "Oh, you're pre-diabetic." Like, what? I, I don't because <laughs> they already have their they have their mind fixed on what a diabetic looks like, which right, I right, put right, quotes right. around that. You know, like you right. know, what does a diabetic look like? You'd be surprised. It's probably one sitting right next to you right now, and they're right. not what you thought. You know, they're not the typical person that you would think when you see, when you think diabetes. Okay. They're not the person that's like maybe 400 pounds, you know, or they got edema and, and they look like, or they just had their leg amputated or something like that. So, you know, there's, everybody has their mindset on what it's supposed to look like based on, okay, just the typical what they've seen and been shown over and over and over. And then next thing you know, they look at themselves like, wait a minute, I thought I was pretty healthy. I'm not, a, how can I be pre-diabetic? And, 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 and they're walking around. You know, with A1C that's through the roof and, you know, their blood sugar right. numbers are like, shit, man. I'm just like, how are you even walking at this point? You know, right. I, right. You know, I can say this from experience because even my wife went through that. You know, just looking at her numbers like, OK, you're not even supposed to be here right now. How did you even make it this far? <laughs> right. And she doesn't look like a pre-diabetic. She didn't look like a diabetic. You know, it's crazy. You know, there's so many different factors that go into that. It's just not the same thing, you know, and it's not something that just happened recently or in the last few years or something. It's just like a lot of things have been going on with people probably since their childhood that have never been addressed or you right. didn't have the tools to address it in the first place. And there you go, man. And it's, and it's sometimes, like I say, it's not what you thought. And it scares people They're like, well, I don't get it. 
Well, generally, I mean, anyone who's overweight has insulin resistance right. and leptin resistance, period, yeah. right? We don't have to test for those things. Exactly. Now, if you have leptin resistance and insulin resistance, you're pre-diabetic. Yeah. So anyone, anyone who has, uh, who's overweight is pre-diabetic, whether they get the levels, uh, even if their blood sugar levels are not sky high. Yeah. It's, it's still, you're still, you're still, it's, it's maybe it hasn't come up on the test yet, but you're on a fast track to that direction. And on the flip side of that, there are some people yeah. who don't even know what that even means, you know, being leptin resistant or, you know, insulin resistant, because that's not even brought up to them, especially with their general practitioner. You know, it's just, it's like, oh, you got this going on, so you need some diet, you know, you need to change your diet, you need to exercise, and, you know, I'm going to write your prescription for so-and-so without really getting to the nuts and bolts of what's going and, on. Yeah, and you could also not be overweight and be oh, insulin yeah. resistant, leptin resistant as well, so it's not as simple as okay if if i'm not overweight then yeah, i don't I'm have good. issues you know that's just like saying if you you're have, not overweight you that, you know, my body that's... fat must be low i said you know there are a lot yeah. of supermodels walking around with 30 35 percent body fat okay right and they right. weigh all of 110 right. pounds and you look at them like oh but she's so skinny yeah skinny fat that's what that is you know and hell she may be pre-diabetic you know right with that much right. body fat even though you don't really see it you know so again we can't just go by this well if I'm pre, it's not an if, but then. Well, if I'm overweight, I'm pre-diabetic. If I'm skinny, I'm healthy. Nope, nope, and not necessarily so. But I mean, the other way to look at also is if you have insulin resistance and glucose issues, then you probably are deficient in magnesium, zinc, yeah. selenium, a host of other things. So that's why the more comprehensive testing yeah. you get with your yearly checkups or however often you do it, the better. Because otherwise you're just guessing. Yeah, and, and go beyond your general practitioner. It could be test. something as simple as yeah, it could be something as simple as oh, okay, your vitamin D three deficient. So if we get that in check, that's going to proliferate to other things you're having problems with. Exactly. And like I said, again, what we were talking about earlier, you know, you're your first line of defense. You know, it starts with you. So sometimes, you know, a lot of times, go beyond just going to your yearly checkup with your general practitioner. Go ahead and go to a site like you know, like Life Extension, and order different tests, and then do it on your own. And then go from there because now you're more informed, you're more educated and you can actually now you can go to your doctor and like, hey, I got my test for this, this and this. You know, this is what's going on. You know, so why not be an informed consumer? Because that's pretty much yeah, and it's important to know how to interpret testing as well. Like going back to the blood testing, yeah. like with magnesium, if you if you've got a blood test for a magnesium, you may think, oh, my levels are great when actually it's a problem. You have excessive levels of magnesium in your bloodstream instead of being on the cellular level where they should right. be. So what you think is actually a positive could actually be a negative or the opposite. You're like, oh, wow, my blood levels of magnesium are really low. And that could actually be a good yeah. thing because you're soaking it up on the receptor level. Yeah. Blood testing with hormones is I was about to say the same thing with testosterone. Yeah, people look yeah. at testosterone. They go, okay, yes, I have low. high levels of blood testosterone. Okay, great. You have a lot of testosterone floating around the bloodstream. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going anywhere useful. It doesn't mean that androgen receptors are soaking right. it in or that organs are soaking it up. Your heart relies on testosterone to be healthy as well. It's one of the most important facets of testosterone. So you, you can't just look at numbers and interpret it one way or another completely accurately. Some people will look at a high number and say, okay, my levels are great when they feel like shit. They have no sex drive. They don't wake up with morning erections and their mood is not good. So it doesn't matter what the number is when you feel that way. And to contrast that with the opposite, sometimes guys will go get tested and they're feeling great. So they think their levels are going to be off the charts. Right. And then they see the levels and they're not that great and they're disappointed. Right. Who gives a fuck what the <laughs> level is on a blood test when you feel that great, right? right? 
like, man, I'm waking up with an erection every morning. I, every girl looks hot to me. I, I'm killing it in the gym. I thought my levels would be well over 800. I was only at 530. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> you know, you're experiencing all the results that people think about when they want to optimize okay. testosterone. That's a damn good 530, dude. Take it. <laughs> you know. And there's people that are at 800 to feel like shit because they actually need to be at 1200 right. to feel optimal. So everyone has a different number. Someone's going to be at 550 and feel fantastic. Someone else is going to be at 750 and feel terrible. So it's it's you really have to it looking at lab work is definitely important. So I like seeing data, but you also have to look at okay, how how am I actually feeling right now and be brutally honest right. with yourself about that. Don't be influenced by the number, meaning, man, I felt like shit until I saw my numbers. I'm like, oh, wow, they're great. Now I feel great. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like you felt like shit before you got that test. And because you have a testosterone level of 800, which is a lot higher than the average guy. So now you now you're now you feel like it's a badge of honor. You can't wait to tell people about it. But 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 you don't feel good. Your sex drive is not good. Your mood is not good. You're still not waking up with a woody, dude. So that number means nothing. <laughs> so, right. Oh, yeah, Mike, as, as a matter of fact, on that note, you know, because, you know, we always mention about, you know, some of the signs that, you know, your hormones are optimized and you're on you're on the road to something good here. We always talk about like, guys, you know, waking up with an erection. So as far as hormone optimization, you know, I've actually had some women ask, like, so how does a woman know when she wakes up in the morning? Like, you know, that. Her hormones attack. Does she wake up? You know, I don't know. Well, I always tell women, I mean, if you see a photo of me and you get aroused, then that's a clear sign. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't find me attractive, ladies, it's not because I'm not attractive. It's because your hormones are not optimal. <laughs> no, I think uh, you know, here's an interesting contrast with with hormonal profile with men versus women. OK, with men, if your sex drive is low, there's no way you feel good. Period, right. right? You're not going to talk to a guy who's like, man, my sex drive is really low right now, but I feel great, you know, other than that. It's like, no, because it's our, our sex drive and our happiness are very well correlated, highly. So when your sex drive is really good, you can't help but feel great, period. Now, with women, it's a little bit more complex. Like a woman can have a low sex drive for whatever reason and feel fine overall. So it's not as heavily – and I'm not saying that it's not important for women. It is. But it, with men, it's really connected to your level of happiness. So with women, I, I would say with both men and women, mood is a very important indicator. Mm -hmm. Are you dealing with mild depression all the time? Do you wake up and you're, you have no energy whatsoever, right? That's another clear one, too. It's like how long does it take to get your motor running after you get out of bed in the right. morning? I mean most of us don't jump out of bed all spritey, like ready to sprinting to the, to the bathroom to brush our teeth. But within like 15 to 20 minutes of getting up, you should start feeling good. Like your mood is good. You're excited about your day. You're energetic. A lot of women are tired all the time because they're taking care of everyone but themselves. Right, yeah. right? They're taking care of their husband or their boyfriend or their kids or their pets, whatever it is. So they're just, they're just burning that candle on both ends. So I, I would say a lot of women suffer more from adrenal issues than, than some guys may right. have may as a result of that because guys work really hard. But – if they have women in their life, they're generally being taken care of to some extent. Right. Or they're taking care of they're, – they're spending money on themselves in some or way. Or they, feel, they feel good for the fact that they're taking care of their women. You know, something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So right, they, right, they feel right, right. significant. They feel like, hey, you know, I'm the protector. You know, and those things, like, that's, that, that ignites some feel-good hormones for a lot of men. Right. You know. So, so mood and energy with both is very important because it doesn't matter what the numbers say. If your energy is really low all the time, you're something's right. off. 
especially morning energy. You should get out of bed without your first cup of coffee to get going. Like I like having coffee in the morning. Not It's not the first thing I drink. I'll wake up and have a squeeze of lemon right. in some water, put a little bit of sea salt in there, maybe some apple cider vinegar really gets an alkaline environment in my body before going, big glass of water, and then maybe an hour later I'll have my first cup I of like coffee. I like to have it after I've actually consumed something. So therefore it's warm, right, right. aids in the digestion. And that's how I look at it. You know, that's something true. warm and soothing, you know, whether it be tea or coffee. You know, it's not the, my go to thing first thing in the morning. They're like, okay, now I gotta go have my coffee. Rarely do I even have coffee first thing in the morning. It is so great. You know, I usually have to have something. I need to consume some food or something like that before I even want to go there. You know, even with the quality of coffee that I drink, I necessarily don't really want to have that as the first thing that goes into my stomach the first in the beginning of the day. Well, well, something hot after a meal is always oh, yeah. great for digestion. I always have a hot beverage after every meal, especially the largest meal of yeah. the day, because it definitely helps with digestion and it helps get rid of that that lull in energy you may have otherwise, yep. where you have to go take a nap after a big Itis meal. Is what we call it in our culture. Yeah, it brings your body heat up, your chi energy. Just the risk of sounding too mystical and then you have that's just increasing your internal energy so yet you have improved digestion as opposed to all of your energy is going to digestion and now you're really tired you have to take a nap exactly so and it's even better because really optimized uh, digestive wise you should probably be making your trip to the restroom right after that meal you know it shouldn't be happening a day or two later so that's another thing about it and that also gets your energy levels back up so you should really check that it's like look man and like I always say, you know, once something's coming in, something's got to go out. It's just like at work. It's almost like the Flintstones. You always saw like when someone's clocking out, Fred was clocking in. That's how it needs to be with your digestive system. Well, so, gut health is another factor women can look at. Both men and women should look at. Gut health is also another indicator of hormonal health. As like I said, if you have gut issues, you're not hormonally healthy. I don't care. I don't care what the numbers Two to four say. days if not you're not taking a crap. Okay, first of all, you're full of crap. Okay, so that right there is already. <laughs> or having to take a crap too often. <laughs> well, like IBS like is crap. either like... you have to go all the time or you can't yeah, go. Exactly. I mean, that's a miserable place to be. <clears throat> you got like you're making artwork with your crap, you know, immediately or whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah, crime <laughs> it's like a Jackson Pollock, you know, art piece. Then that's a problem. <laughs> so. You have to change your underwear several times a day. It's, you know, it's not a good sign that uh, your digestion is optimal. Yeah, that's exactly. for sure. Yeah, but but mood mood is definitely one that both can use, and that's something that people have to be very well calibrated with because a lot of us are not very honest yeah, with that. Tend to lie to yeah, like, oh, I'm good. Yeah. Are you? Are you? <laughs> yeah, because, because we automatically say that too, and it's all day long. Oh, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. Yeah, how are man, you? How the other you? person's supposed to say, Oh, I'm great as well. Dude, now you get to move two on. Two things with your just happen <laughs> in that for most people when you say, Oh, I'm good. How are you? First, you're lying. You're not good. And B, you don't give a damn how good this other person is. So why'd you ask? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You could care less. These, these, these canned responses we have <laughs> all throughout the day. If, if, but uh, on, on the flip side, if everyone were honest, you'd never get anything done because you'd be stuck talking to people all day long. You know, It's like, how are you doing? Oh, well, yeah, let me tell you what's going on. It's like, oh, shit, it's, it's, I got to hear all that. It's <laughs> funny. I can see some people's faces sometimes when they ask me how I am, and I would say, oh, I'm doing great. Thanks. And they, just kind of, and they kind of sit there and wait, and like, well, I'm not going to ask you because I don't care. <laughs> so i got stuff to do, man. I'm gonna, I don't want you to actually tell me what's exactly. going on. <laughs> my, I'm not going to explain why I'm great, and I'm not going to ask you how you're doing because I don't care. It's not that I'm it's funny I just when, have stuff to do because I'm sure if I ask you, you're going to explain to me why. <laughs> so let's just go ahead and not take a chance on that. <laughs> it's funny when the hard drive misfires and people's canned responses <laughs> are the opposite of what they should be saying. So instead of saying thank you, they say you're welcome. Right. Or instead of saying th- – 
it's like, like oh, oh, you're welcome. No, I mean, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> People cash themselves in it. Yeah. Or or they say, I'm great, thanks. And you didn't like, even ask uh, them. How didn't they ask? Are. But they asked you, like, how are you doing? Great. And like, oh, I'm great as well. It's like, even though you didn't ask them, because they, they automatically expected you to yeah, ask open, them, and they're going to give their kid <laughs> response. You, open, you, you know, you open the door, or what, they open the door for you. like, thank you. Oh, I'm good. Huh? What? <laughs> because <laughs> they're on autopilot once again man they're just on this this automatic response <laughs> well that's the thing that as you know from taking tim larkin's course and i've been reading his book is that when you're not cognizant when you're walking through your day, day not cognizant you're far more likely to be a target oh, yeah and so you're at the atm machine and it's at night it's like first of all why are you at the atm machine at night and then you have your back turned to whoever's behind you you're a perfect target now exactly <laughs> Just simple things like that that people take for granted. And often people look at the past for a prediction of the future, meaning, well, it's never happened before. Yeah. So why would it happen in the future? I can't walk around oh, paranoid, man. Right. You know, you can't be paranoid all the time and just think, well, no, no one's saying go around being paranoid of everyone. But just be be as situationally aware as possible. Like, trust me, right. don't let other people in the defense world fool you and think like, oh, first thing out of people's minds, like, oh. Should have been, you know, situation awareness. Look, no one can be well, some on. People, some people are just oblivious on really simple yeah. things, right? Like the other day I was squatting. You know, I'm about to do my top set, 365 for my top set of reps. And I go get a glass of water. I mean, I go get some water. I come right back. And there's a guy who just finished deadlifting. And he's putting his bar right on the pins where I'm about to squat. So it's in the way, right. basically, is where I'm going here. For those of you who can't visualize what I'm saying. And I was like, hey, would you mind putting that somewhere? I was being polite. I was like, hey, would you mind putting that somewhere else? I'm about to do some heavy squats. He's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's a bar loaded with plates there. I, I didn't just it's not leave just it there. It's different decoration, man. Okay. And then my backpack is in front of the squat rag. My bottle of water's there. There's a mess of chalk. So obviously someone's there. But this guy is so oblivious. He thought this, all he thought of is like, okay, let me get this bar out of the way. Oh, there's a squat rack. Let me put it there. He didn't think of all these other factors. That, hey, there's actually someone there, and you're going to be in the way if you put it there. So much. <laughs> it seems like that happens even more now in grocery stores. Like, you know, here's one thing about <laughs> grocery stores now because they're trying to make so much money that they're making the aisles smaller and smaller, you know, so they can pack in more and more crap. So you have these, you're in a grocery store and you need to get by, and these people are just standing there. They're trying to look and decide. They're just staring. <laughs> My thing is, if you have to stare that long, you don't need it. Okay. Obviously, you don't want it. It's just looking and they're looking and they're standing there. And, and Vegas is the worst. And then you that, say, right? excuse me. Casino. And they don't move. And then I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> and then they look at you like you did something wrong. Like, huh? Oh, oh, what? What? <laughs> like, jackass, you're in the middle of the aisle doing nothing. I need to pass by. Or they'll have their basket in the middle of the aisle and then they'll be between the basket and the shelf. So they're taking up at least two thirds of this section here. And then they look at you like you're wrong when you say, excuse me. It's like, and then they don't want to move their basket. So they move closer to the shelf. I'm like, no, you're not the problem. Your basket is the problem. <laughs> Let's go. Well, it's like when someone's at a red light and it turns green and they have this delayed reaction. So you honk. And then instead of moving, they look in their rearview mirror at you. Yeah. Like, why are you honking at me? Because the light is green, dumb motherfucker. Now go. Here, here's what's Vegas funny, though. Every time they, they sit there. And then once they finally go, they speed off. Like, I'll show you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can go fast every single time. You're so true. That's so true, man. That is exactly what happens. Vegas casinos are the funniest ones because people just get so mystified by everything they see. Where someone's walking in front of you and they just stop oh, yeah. suddenly. 
<laughs> here's what's worse. You have it's to, not just and you're trying to go around them, and then they start moving in your direction again. It's like, Jesus Christ. And then you're man. dancing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're trying to go to the left, and they see you, and then they stop and go to the right when you're trying to go to the right now. It's like, all right, you stop. Just stop. Just stay right there. Let me get around you. <laughs> fucking move, okay? <laughs> or either that or they're with a group of people, and that, that's usually the worst, especially like if it's a family yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are all of you walking horizontally? Okay, in a group down a sidewalk. Yeah. Okay, it's five of you. This sidewalk probably, if you put people side by side, it's, it could probably have three people walking side by side. And there's a reason why that's happening. Why? It's just like a street. So the reason why it's like that, that means there's one person on the left, one person on the right, and there's space in the middle for those that need to pass by. Not meant for all three people to be lined up going the same direction. Now you add, you add five people, and you're, and especially in Vegas, everyone's taking the time looking at the sites and they're just looking in awe. And so they're not paying attention where they're walking. So you got five or six people taking pictures of the same casinos over and over and over. And like, dude, I need you to, I need you to step it up. But then if you walk past them and you walk around them, they get mad. Like, somebody's in a hurry. <laughs> like, no, somebody's not in a hurry. That was the problem. Okay. <laughs> it's all about perspective, bro. <laughs> Right. So people are really oblivious on seemingly insignificant situations. So you can imagine how they're going to react in a life and death situation. Right. It's going to be totally oblivious, not even remotely aware. And then they ask that, that. And Tim, Tim has a, Tim gives a, like some good instructional. And he probably told you this at the course. He's like, you know, just go out there and people watch oh, yeah. sometimes and just look at how people are acting and how they're reacting to situations, how oblivious they are. That's, that's pretty interesting to do. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing about, you know, getting in this industry. I do that a lot because of course, of course, you know, the, the main thing is always talking, everybody talks about situation awareness. And then I just, I'm constantly studying. It's like a laboratory experiment for me because I'm looking like, okay, look at this person. What could be better? What can I bring and teach my, my students, you know, regarding situation awareness and these different examples, you know, just like what I was just telling you about, People in the grocery store and just standing there or whatever else. These people also can right. be victims, you know, at the same time. Oh, then even if they go in the grocery store and let's just say <clears throat> I'm in line and there's someone there. Okay. You, you're making your payment, whatever. Then the cashier asks them, Hey, you know, you want cash back? Oh yeah. So, you know, can you give me, you know, 50, $75 cash back, please. Now a criminal standing in that line, you know, he may have just be getting a juice, whatever. A lot of these people, this is how some people, some criminals think. Let me go to a grocery store. Let me buy something simple like a soda, whatever. Let me see who's running around with credit cards or who's got cash. So now you just got $75 cash back or whatever else. So now, okay, he pays for soda. That won't take long. By the time he's paid for that, you're still not really in your car. He sees how many groceries you have. It's going to take a while. So now he's casing you. He's waiting. And now he's coming there and now he's ready to rob you and take that 75 bucks. He knows you has the cash. You can't even sit there and say, Hey man, I don't have any money. He just saw you get money. Okay. So again, a lot of things we start talking about, you know, being very cognizant of what's going on. Sometimes to keep yourself out of a situation, you need to think like those people that would put you in that situation. Doesn't mean that you're a bad person too, or that right. you're going to end up becoming like them or that you're paranoid. It's just now you're more aware and you're not going to be the person that's on the five o'clock news after you've been victimized saying, I can't believe this happened to me. You know, that right there, honestly, in this, in this world and these, you know, these days, no one should be saying that on, on any show. I can't believe this happened to me. Come on. Have you paid attention? You know, and it's not like violence is something new. Violence has been going on since the beginning of the world. Well, I mean, a better question is why not? Yeah, you? exactly. It happened. It happens to others. Well, I'm a good time, person. So why not you? That, yeah. Well, but then, guess what? That person that victimized you was not a good person. <laughs> okay. So, and that's the thing about it. So that's what you got to think about. It's not, 
honestly, in this situation, it's really not about you, but it is about you. It's all about you being in a situation where you can increase your odds to come out of a situation on a more positive note. And that's what it comes down to. So, again, it's not about being paranoid. It's being prepared. It's just like just like working out. Okay, here's the deal. You know, why do you need to work out, you know, every day? Why do you need to do some type of physical activity? You know, because you want to be better prepared against anything that would actually deteriorate your life health wise, you know, or even a physical altercation with someone. You know, the stronger you like they said, the stronger you are, the harder you are to kill. You know, think about this. Something can be said about that. You know, so, you know, why not? Just like insurance. You got insurance in your car. Are you really actively trying to go out there and get hit by someone? No. But the thing is, you have it. And if you case you do get hit, you know, the liability is taken care of. You can get your car replaced. You can have your medical expenses covered for the most part. You know, it's not something that you're aiming, you know, hoping that's going to happen. But that's all this stuff is, is insurance. That's all insurance is. You you never want to have to use it. But when you need to, you definitely want to have it. And that's what all these being aware and having these skills are all about. So that's how people need to look at it. It's just you need to change your perspective. So, yeah, man. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a good place to cap it off. A lot of information for you guys to digest. So remember, use that coupon code LLA. Go get 10% off the best nutrition supplements around. I've got online courses on hormone optimization, how to increase your income, videos, ebooks, you name it. Use that coupon code LLA and get 10% off. Go load up on some great products. Take advantage of all your summer training. Exactly. And how about with yeah, you, same man? Same thing, man. Go over to newwarriortraining.com. Use the same coupon code. Hey, man, we were talking about coffee. You got bolsitas over there. So I see some people re-upping on their bolsitas, which are the little socks that you use to filter your coffee on the Cheerio doors. You know, so I see people re-upping on that. So some of you folks, you know, I know some of you bought Cheerio doors probably about a year ago. I think it's about time for you to like boost, you know, go ahead and get some bolsitas up because I'm pretty sure, Mike, what was your Kenyan example that you used? For <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just replaced the the condom or the the sock condom recently. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on the Torito. So yeah, I mean, here's the thing, yeah. folks. Yeah, it's good to have some of those leftover coffee oils or whatever in the bolsitas, but after a while, it's gonna get gammy, man. You know, even after you've washed it and taken care of it, like the way I have it on the website. So go ahead and get that three pack of bolsitas or whatever, and that should cover you for a year right there. So, but some of you got just the bols, you know, the original Choriador just with the one bolsita. So I know that thing is nasty right about now. So after a year and a year and a half. So go ahead and re-up on that. You can get that over at the website. You can get a Choriador as well while you're there. And also the weight management program is there. So again, like Mike was saying, to help you with your summer training program, that's there. And pretty soon I'm going to have up there, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, self-defense, self-protection, all that. And you're going to be able to come. If you're in Texas, if you're in Houston, you can come and train with me for, you know, if you're a Texas resident, you'll be able to take CHL courses. Now it's called the license to carry course, as well as, you know, private and semi-private shooting training as well. So you know, owning one is not enough. You need to know how to use that damn thing. You know, having a license is not enough. You got to know how to use that. And to go beyond just going and pointing at paper targets and shooting with that, actually learning the tactics about that and helping to, you know, protect yourself in an active situation. And just, again, just adding to that insurance and, you know, increasing your odds of coming out of this thing unscathed as much as possible. So all that. And you guess what? You'll be able to use that coupon code toward those courses as well. So keep an eye on that. And, like I said, and one last thing, 
you know, for those who do support the show, you know, recently, you know, I want to give, you know, some mention to Andrew Weston, Jared Felty and Prince Bell, as well as our new Patreon supporters, Matthew Vanderlip and Brian Gill. And when I talk about Patreon, that's another way you can support our show by heading over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast, become a monthly supporter of the show. And when we go to the subscription model, we'll make sure that we take care of our current Patreon subscribers as well. So thank you guys, you know, for supporting the show, especially these last two years that we started doing Patreon and everyone else has been supporting us by buying our products the last three years that we've had the show. Appreciate that. All right. Thanks everyone. All right, folks. We'll catch you on the next one.